I turn that on and suddenly my lock's just exploding with 500 errors. And it was very confusing at first what I was seeing. So I look at the error message and I dig down into the code and, and I'm seeing it where it's that error is being thrown and it looked like maybe something malicious was happening. Like it's a guard statement that a user should really never run into. It should just be something that, that only if you were trying to break the system, you'd get. So I was still very confused and I'm looking up a record in the database and I'm realizing that the record in the database doesn't actually match what's in the error message. And I'm looking at it and I had this moment of realization and I'm not one who curses, right? I never, I never really curse on this call. I'm not a very salty individual, but I'm just like, oh, oh, we're so, this is so, I was like, I couldn't, it, it was like all of my worst fears had come, had just come to fruition all of a sudden. You're listening to Working Code with your hosts, one of whom probably just wrote a new JavaScript library, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 54. And on today's show, we're going to talk about, I don't know, those times that things just go like very, very wrong. Maybe sometimes you saw it coming, sometimes you didn't. Just stuff goes wrong and and you got to deal with it. But as usual, we're going to start with our triumphs and fails. We've got the whole crew here. We're going to do a normal episode. So why don't we just start with you, Tim? What do you got going on? Hey, I'm back. Welcome back, Tim. Although I did do the interview with Adam Lehman last week, but yeah. As far as with the whole group, it's going to be back a couple wins. So, and I don't know if this is a HIPAA violation, but I told you guys the reason I was out, I had a little, I had, I said I had a routine procedure. It really wasn't true. I got some good news yesterday. So they removed a tumor from me. Mm-hmm. And, and the I, good news is it's not cancer. So, nice. So That's I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm that. quite relieved. Two weeks just kind of sitting on eggshell, just wondering if my whole life was about to change and go into, yeah, but no, it's all clear. Yes. It's all good. So waiting is so stressful. Yeah, yep, for sure. Yep. So folks, when the doctor tells you to get your uh, checkup and your, particularly your colonoscopy, go. Do it. Do it. It, it is a pain in the butt, literally, but uh, <laughs> don't avoid it. Hey, you get to lose a few pounds. Yeah, doctor said. Doctor said if uh, six months from now, that could have been a real big issue. So, oh dang, oh man. Awesome. Anyway, it's too bad that we're sticking to PG because I got some jokes I'd love to crack right now. <laughs> After show, please. For sure. But as far as professional goes, so I've been we've been postponing upgrading. We have an old, and I hate talking about cold fusion so much on this podcast, but you know it is a part of all of our lives at some point. Um, an old, cold like it or fusion. not. Yeah, Adobe Cold Fusion 10 machine that is, you know, no longer supported. So we have to get it upgraded. So we upgraded it to 2021 and I just been, I mean, I put it off all year and it's like getting the end of the year. We get, we got to do this before the end of the calendar year. We did it. It wasn't as bad as I thought. And so that's the win. And, but the pain in the butt is so they changed Adobe changed this thing where you could do a date format. And if you wanted like month dash, day dash year you do capital m capital m dash capital d capital d dash y y y now for those of you who don't do cold fusion cold fusion usually cares nothing about case sensitivity you do it upper or lower well they did a change and they didn't tell anyone it was not in any of the 500 pages of the doc release between 2018 and this version that if you do a uppercase dd for day that will actually give you the day of the year so like 
December seven would be December seven would be three hundred forty one days. So you would have twelve dash three forty one dash you know twenty twenty one, which obviously <laughs> is not the date you want. That's how they do it in Europe, right? Perfect. <laughs> I mean, I get why they do it. It's sort of it's a Java thing. It's the way Java is, but it's like. Yeah, so I mean, but fortunately, I, I dealt with the libraries where you'd have to do that. And as soon as I saw what it was outputting, I'm like, oh, they, this must be, I didn't even find the bug until till later. So it changed it everywhere and it, it wasn't a huge issue, but it's just annoying that there's this breaking mm-hmm. change that they didn't announce. And I, you know, I had to dig through some people's blogs to find out what was going on with it after the fact. But yeah, but anyway, other than that, it went okay. Was this an intentional change or was this a bug that slipped out? I think it's a bug that slipped out from them okay. because, yeah, like I said, it was not in any of their documentation about the changes. So anyway, that's me. How about you, Carol? Well, I'm going to go with a triumph. So I guess it was two episodes ago, maybe, because I was out the last episode. I talked about my triumph then was I was super excited that we had hired a new executive VP of engineering and that it was a female well, I had my first meet and greet with her and like we did it as the whole department. So everybody went through and told what they had for breakfast like every day so she could get to know us better and two things about ourselves, just random facts, whatever. And I had said, yeah, I was like, and I do a tech podcast with three of my buddies, you know, and she was like, oh, I'm so excited. Send me the link. I'm going to start listening to it. So not only is she like really cool with wanting to get to know more about us and wanting to be in videos with us so she gets faces with names because we're still all remote, she also really is intrigued by a lot of what we do. So I was just super impressed with not just that we have a female executive vice president of engineering, that she's also really awesome to work with so far. So I'm just, I'm really excited about this. If you can't tell, it makes me super happy. Very cool. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah, it's great to see more women in tech. I agree. I agree. Especially in leadership roles. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. You need some diversity to make decisions. What about you, Adam? Oh, gosh. I have so much to be thankful for and happy about right now. It's hard to pick. I guess I'll start with I'm in the spirit, right? We're heading up to to Christmas time here in the U.S. or I guess it's Christmas around the world, but. Oh, happy uh, holidays. (laughs) Anyway, I'm in the spirit. I'm just. I'm in that place where not it's, it would take a lot to get me down. That's not to say that nothing's getting me down. Like I've had a couple of rough days here and there, but my average is way up right now and things are just going well. I've had like a really good week at work. But we were pushing hard on our multi-tenant. What's the word? Architecture. Like OKR? initiative. Initiative. Oh, yeah. And, and making a lot of progress. Things are, it's funny. I started this, I made like a, a roadmap in GitHub issues and I put a whole bunch of checkboxes in there. Like you can check them off in the, the, description or whatever and uh, it'll show you like oh, okay this is the percentage complete and it's like every time i check one off i go i realize i have to go and i add two or three more so the percentage <laughs> I, I keep checking things off but the percentage keeps going down yes so that's uh, whatever i mean we're getting stuff done we're pushing hard making a lot of progress whether or not that percentage is going in the right direction so i'm just happy i've been wanting to work on this for years and and we finally are and it's going forward so I will take it. So we like to do this thing where we have this big project, right? And we're trying to roll it out. And in order to make it feel like you're making progress on it, we start putting phases in there. 
So instead Mm -hmm. of putting everything into the main release, we're like, all right, here's phase one. Let's get through phase one. And maybe we need to add a few things to it. But what can what of this can roll into a phase two so that you feel like you're getting to completion on something and you're not just continuously adding more and more to your checklist. So I love I love phases when I'm doing my checklist. I'm like, okay, I'm completing something. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And this roadmap that I made is broken up into something like four or five phases and almost every single individual step of that is releasable. So each of each of those checkboxes is something we can release and do release. Sweet. Um, So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. uh, Like I said, I'm in the spirit. I'm happy. All's well. So how about you, Ben? Ooh, it's failure time. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, And we're going to we're going to roll this failure right into the show topic here. The day before Thanksgiving. At 3.30 a.m., my phone started going crazy. It it was this loud screeching. I thought it was like an amber alert. I don't know if anyone gets amber alerts on their phone sometimes where it's or like a flash flood warning. Like it was that kind of panic. And I pick up the phone. I'm looking at it through groggy eyes here. And it starts to, I said, I'm getting a call also. So I answer the call and it's pager duty. I am on a team that deals with a legacy platform. I've been paged like three times in my entire life. Oh boy. So immediately I'm like, this can't be good. Nope. I run to my desk. You're like, they got the wrong number. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I am in various stages of undress. Uh, so <laughs> I jump into our incident channel on Slack and uh, it turns out one of the guys on one of the other teams had paged me explicitly. So I touch base with him. I say, Hey, what's going on? He says, Hey, there's some API endpoints that are just returning 500 server errors on every single request. So I look at the logs and I don't see anything in the logs at all, which is weird. And I look in the metrics and I don't really see anything interesting in the metrics. Again, it's a very legacy part of the application, so it was not instrumented very well. So I jump into a feature flag that allows me to turn on special lower level, basically tracing and debugging level logs, which we don't normally emit in production. I turn that on and suddenly my logs just exploding with 500 errors. And it was very confusing at first what I was seeing. So I look at the error message and I dig down into the code and, and I'm seeing it where it's that error is being thrown and it looked like maybe something malicious was happening. Like it's a guard statement that a user should really never run into. It should just be something that, that only if you were trying to break the system, you'd get. So I was still very confused. And I'm looking up a record in the database and I'm realizing that the record in the database doesn't actually match what's in the error message. And I'm looking at it and I had this moment of realization and I'm not one who curses, right? I never, I never really curse on this call. I'm not a very salty individual, but I'm just like, oh, oh, we're so, this is so, I was like, I couldn't, it, it was like all of my worst fears had come, had just come to fruition all of a sudden. Ben had a, a sudden case of Tourette syndrome. Yo, it was, with, with one it was big crazy. quack. Oh my God. It was, it was awful the moment i realized exactly what was happening what was it so which was that all of our primary keys in our database are supposed to be unsigned integers so we use a mysql so this may not be relevant for all different databases but in mysql numeric columns whether they're tiny ints or medium ints or big ints or ints can be defined as signed or unsigned and essentially if it's signed it means it can go both negative and positive so I don't know the exact numbers offhand, but a regular int column can handle something like negative 2.1 billion up to positive 2.1 billion. And if you're going to create 
an unsigned in, essentially you shift all of that into the positive space. So instead of going from negative 2.1 to positive 2.1, you go from zero to 4.2 billion. So you essentially on an auto incrementing column, it doubles the amount of integers you can store. So most of our on one table or yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. For, for that one column. Right, for that yeah. one column. Okay. So our primary keys are typically unsigned ints, and if they're not, it's a mistake. Now, we have secondary columns in other tables that reference primary keys in, in another table, like a foreign key, but we don't actually have foreign key constraints configured. And two different columns, which are referencing this one primary key, were defined as signed ints. So they oh. can only go up to 2.1 billion, whereas the primary key they were referencing can go up to 4.2 billion. Was that a mm-hmm. mistake? That was a mistake. Okay. And at about 1 a.m. that morning, so about two and a half hours before I was paged, the primary key in the one table surpassed what could be stored in a signed in, and suddenly all it's breaking rights, the constraint. Yeah, all rights to that other table that had these two secondary columns referencing that primary key started refusing to be written. Mm-hmm. And it basically broke a very high volume area of the application. It didn't take the application completely offline. Everything that didn't touch that one particular table was completely fine. It's just that table is really critical in one very high volume workflow. But wait, I thought you said that it really shouldn't be getting access because you thought this was just in a guard statement. So it got really weird. Okay, <laughs> there's more. <laughs> well, we as we're digging into what was going wrong, it turns out that not only were these foreign key constraints not having the appropriate data type. They were signed ins when they should have been unsigned ins. Well, our prepared statements, so Cold Fusion, one of the core tenants of the Cold Fusion language dating back to like 15 years ago was SQL injection is terrible and we're essentially going to design a language that makes SQL injection impossible. So mm-hmm. with their CF query tags and their CF query pram tags, they made it just very, very job. trivial yeah. to prevent SQL injection, and you do mm-hmm. with these parameter bindings inside of prepared statements. And when you create a parameter within a prepared statement, you tell it what type of data you're writing into. So you're saying this is a var car field, or this is a, an, an int, or a big int, yeah. or a, or a okay. tiny int, or a, a bit column. Anyway, unbeknownst to me, the CF SQL integer parameter binding can only handle signed integers because a it's being validated as a signed Java int under the hood. So even though we have primary keys that are using unsigned ints in the database, the parameter binding for the queries that we're using to talk to that database can't handle the unsigned int. So going back to Carol's question, the guard statement, what happened was in Lucy CFML, which is what we were using, it doesn't throw an error. If you if you use something that goes above a Java 32-bit signed int, it'll just quietly truncate it to be whatever the max <gasps> integer is and just pass that through to the database. So oh, if you that's said, terrible. Hey, oh, wow. that's so terrible. terrible. That's terrible. That's, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so that's why we were getting these really bizarre guard statements because someone was saying like, hey, give me this record with my ID and my ID is really high. And the wrong ID was being passed through to the database and that's, or, or it was being passed down to the database and we were getting the wrong record back. And that's why I was oh. saying like, hey, you're asking for a record that you shouldn't be having access to. Now, luckily, I mean, 
on the face of it, that's like a terrible security incident waiting to happen because you're essentially saying, hey, I'm authorized to, to request this ID. I can get it. But you're yeah. getting the wrong records back the from right. the database. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm telling you, when I realized this, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, this is so I'm thinking the same words in my head right now. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so ridiculous. I mean, but funny, mine are quacks in my head. That's odd. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know about what's going on there. So just by grace and coincidence, we happen to then have that guard statement that was doing one additional check to say, like, is this record something? It was a contextual check. It was basically saying this record that you asked for, is it part of, is it owned by the correct parent object? And it wasn't because the wrong data was coming back and the, and the whole thing was blowing up and saying, hey, you're doing something you're not supposed to. Like, had we not had that, that we would have been, again, effed. We would have been totally effed. Would have so, been a I big mean, data leak. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's kind of like, hey, I'm going to go grab this photo. And if I have the photo ID, I'm good to get it. But you weren't checking to make sure that the photo was actually owned by that user, right? Is that a good? Right, because we yeah. had already validated parts of the data before it went to the database. But, then I mean, but your guard statement is what did that second check, right? It was like, well, right. you got the photo, but do you actually own that photo? And, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So in the heat of the moment, it seemed very, very, very terrible. I mean, it uh, and, is terrible. You know, a, a very important part of the system was down, so it was very terrible. But as sort of the moment cooled and we had some more time to think about what was going on, from a security standpoint, it was less of a dumpster fire than it could have been because the values were being truncated, but they were always being truncated to the same ID, which was the max signed in. Yeah. So could we have leaked data? Yes. But the, the yeah, blast radius. Record. Yeah, yeah. The blast radius of the problem would have been... Everybody got the same picture. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like things broke really bad, but they broke in a, in an order that actually saved us from having a, a lot worse of a situation. And, and it wasn't a bad actor that was taking advantage of it. That's this was just true. the yeah. system itself because of constraints in that the database. Poor design of the language you're writing. <laughs> Not even that you wrote something obviously bad like the core issue is the language that you're writing and had a problem that yeah you set something wrong in your database but that's a big issue with the data type with the parameter not matching yeah. and not telling you like, that should throw an error it should say problem mm. too big can't go in there to yeah. adobe's credit adobe cold fusion will throw an error if you use um. a binding outside of its potential outside of its storable range Lucy, and I, I filed this as a, well, I actually found a ticket in their JIRA for the same issue. And I basically went and said, like, yo, this is a super critical problem. You guys should fix this. And this now. ticket's from sometime <laughs> in 2020. Yeah. But what is not documented anywhere, either on the Lucy site or the Adobe Cold Fusion site, is the fact that CF SQL integer doesn't work with unsigned int columns, which... That's kind of terrifying. Like that should be pretty documented with like big blinking lights. I was going to yeah. ask, is there, yes. what should you use instead? Big int. Big well, int. Okay. okay. So I what once, once we started, once we realized what was happening, we did a bunch of Googling. Mm -hmm. We found this a CF searching site from like 2010. I think this blog post is <laughs> where all the rich stuff is <laughs> yes. from way back when. <laughs> you know, it's right. Where, it's free 2020. Where someone, uh, the CF searching site, I, I think has been an anonymous site forever. I don't think that person ever identified themselves in public. But so on this site, the author 
essentially talked about all the different data types and what they can use and what they can't use and why you should use what. We ended up just using big in in the heat of the moment, like we had to fix it. On the CF searching site, they talked about using a numeric type with scale zero. And actually, James Moberg on Twitter was saying that he uses something similar, numeric, with a scale of zero. What scale zero do you I, I believe that means how many decimals. So the numeric, I don't know, I, I don't know what numeric means in this context, but okay. I know scale means decimals. Okay. So scale is another argument or attribute on the CF? Yes. I think it, it's both part of the table schema and then also part of the query parameter binding. I thought that was called precision. Yeah, that's I, what I would. I, I, I think yeah. the precision on the table is defined by the scale on the query parameter. I think okay. it's. I think it might be the same thing. I'm getting it all crossed up in my head. But okay, scale zero. Keep going. <laughs> It'll be in the show notes, Carol. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Good. I'll go read about it. <laughs> so at this point, it's like 4.30 in the morning. And mm-hmm. me and Eric, this other guy on the call, who he was the one who paged me, we're trying to figure out what to do. Oh, wait, and, question. Have you put yeah. on clothes yet? <laughs> Inquiring <laughs> minds want to know. We just, we're all we're all curious if you have gotten I was dressed at this point. Zoom video off. I was still in <laughs> panic mode. No clothing. So <laughs> the easiest thing to do would just be to migrate the table and change the column from a signed in to an unsigned in, so that the primary key in the one table would now match the secondary keys in, in the other two tables. We had two different tables that had reached this limit at the same time. And at work, we use this thing called Liquibase. It's like an, I don't exactly understand what it is. We we use something called Exodus. Exodus uses Liquibase and then Liquibase, I think, uses Percona Toolkit. It's like various levels here of tooling. So many words. Yeah. Um, For database migrations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So essentially what you do is you define your database migrations as these like schema change definitions. Do you like, like. DMLs, database, markup, I I don't know. Yeah. I never know what they stand for. Where essentially you're saying change this table with this column and give it this type. And the way that you can't just change arbitrary schema on the fly because there's all this data that's been written to disk and the database can't just arbitrarily change the type of data type that you're using. So what Liquibase does and via Bercona Toolkit under the hood is it creates a shadow table with the new schema and then incrementally copies rows. So essentially you're saying, hey, I have table A and I need to change a column type. So it creates table B in the background with the new column type. It sets up triggers on table A so that inserts, updates, and deletes, then insert, update, and delete on table B. And then while those triggers are in place, it essentially walks over table A and starts copying rows into table B. So it does essentially a full table scan on table A, copies all of the data into table B, and then the triggers make up any difference that the traversal doesn't hit. But, you know, we just reached the max of the signed in, which is 2.1 billion records, right. which it doesn't just copy in a second. No. Now, as as clever as the shadow table approach is, it still uses a lot of resources, especially because it's copying like 40,000 rows a a second or something like it's really trying to churn through it. So Percona Toolkit has a number of things that it puts in place to help prevent from taking the database down essentially from having to do this work. So it'll check to see how many threads are running. And if it sees the number of running threads start to climb, it'll short circuit out of its process. 
Hmm. It'll also look at replication lags. So we have primary databases and then we have some read replicas. And it'll look to see if there's been replication lag starting to grow. And if the replication lag starts to increase, it'll short circuit its process again because it, it doesn't want to do more harm to the database. So we're sitting there and we deploy this migration behind the scenes. It's me and just this other guy and watching it tick up. It's like a copy of 5 million rows, 10 million rows. And all of a sudden the, sh- the shadow table would disappear. And then it would reappear again at zero and it's copied a hundred rows, a thousand rows. And it goes through this a couple of times and the deployment finally fails. And now we're trying to dig through the logs to figure out why the deployment failed. And it reached these max threads. Like it, the database looked like it was working too hard. So it would short circuit. We had it set up to be like, I think you could have up to a hundred threads running at a time. So we revert the deployment. We try to uh, redeploy it again, see if it'll just work again, continues to fail. And now it's like six o'clock in the morning. So we page the data services team because we don't know what to do at this point. And, and the data services team, just bad confluence of issues. The data service guy who was on call had somehow, I don't know, like put his code, his uh, phone into do not disturb mode, even for critical apps. Oh, oh no. no. So we're sitting there for like two more hours before the data services guy like happens to wake up and check his phone. And he's three time zones ahead of us. So it, it was well, really early for, for him. You. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he happened to just wake up and check his phone. And so he jumps online. You're like, I've been, and, been up since three. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying to figure out what to do. And we're looking through the logs and we see that it's because of the threads. So he has to spin up what he called a bastion machine. I don't exactly understand what a bastion machine is. It's like he has to spin up a machine in the it's production a, it's network. It's a machine who doesn't know whose daddy is. That's exactly what I was thinking, Tim. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Oh, wait, Bastion. Sorry, 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 sorry. (laughs) So he has to spin up his machine in production so that he can run the migration manually from within inside whatever private network the database lives inside of. So he sets the the short-circuiting thresholds. We had it at 100 threads. He said it's something like 10,000 threads. And he he starts running it, and it's cruising along. And uh, we realized it's going to take a long time. It's going to take like 22 hours to run this <gasps> migration. And it keeps giving us these uh, these things, right? And it's the day before Thanksgiving. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so terrible. Oh, my God. So can you like shut down that portion of your app and just say not available while it's like doing stuff? Or is it that's what we did. So, so while this migration is running, we put in a feature flag because so we have, we also not have a bug. It's a feature. It's a feature <laughs> flag. We have different tiers of applications. So this was in our multi-tenant system, which means it has a bunch of different tenants. We also have a bunch of single tenant environments, which are completely isolated environments for a specific user or a specific subset of related users. And because the the single tenants have totally different databases and they have much lower volume, they're not affected by this issue. It's going to be forever before they hit these kind of caps on their records. So we had to create this feature flag that would allow us to shut off this particular feature, but just inside of the multi-tenant environment so that the single-tenant environments could continue to function properly. So as the migration is running, we're doing this, we're dealing with support. And then we realize, uh, again, that it's going to take quite a while. And the guy who kicked off the migration, he did it through his, uh, like a Tmux terminal connection or something. I don't really understand. So it has to stay open? Yeah, so it has oh, to stay no. open. So like, if he <laughs> lost his VPN connection for a second, or like if anything, the whole migration would be, it would essentially Over. terminate the entire execution oh, wow, of the Bastion no. machine. So, <laughs> so, so, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. 
<laughs> and we didn't realize he didn't he didn't understand the implications of that until we were already like four hours into the migration. And it was just oh my god. Was it, it was Patch so, Tuesday? <laughs> it, was, it was so terrible. And like I kept trying to message like various directors of engineering and it's Thanksgiving. And like, but it's the day before Thanksgiving, so like half the people aren't even in the office anymore and they're all in no. do not disturb mode. Oh my god, it was so terrible. It was so terrible. I mean, thankfully, the whole incident was about 27 hours, 28 hours before the migration finally finished. And and we were able to turn the feature back on with the feature flag. But it was just, it was my worst nightmare. And I say, and I say it's my worst nightmare is because it was literally something that I had been fearing for, I'd say, the better part of four years. And I know how long it was because I actually could look, I searched for Slack for the phrase like in space or run out of in space, something like that. And I could find messages back to like 2016 where I was talking to people like, Hey, are we ever going to run out of in space on these columns? Like how, how are we going to know about this? And I have, I, I had a, I, I know I had talked to the the director of platform like two years ago about this. And now he, cause he used to be the manager of our teams and then he became the director of platform. And I kept trying to pitch him on this idea. Like, Hey, we have a bunch of product engineers. They can do database stuff, but they're not database engineers. They're not going to know about things like, hey, am I necessarily using the right type of data? Am I using a, a long text when I should be using a VARCAR 2000 or something, right? right? Depending on how the data is actually stored on disk. I said, hey, we need to have our data services team become essentially consultants with the product teams and help them manage and monitor their databases. And I very specifically was like, and <laughs> they should help the product teams know when they're going to run out of storage space on their tables. And I have a screenshot from July of 2020 where I'm saying, this is exactly what I want this team to do. And bullet point number two is make sure that these tables, the people are designing don't run out of space. And how do they make sure they're not going to run out of space? And how do we know ahead of time so that people have time to react if we think it's going to happen? Hmm. Got to keep those receipts. Yeah, yeah. And now 16 months later, 18 months later, my the thing that I've been worrying about for the past four or five years finally came true at 1 a.m. the day before Thanksgiving. At least I, you can gloat that you were right. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I'm hearing a big giant, I told you so. <laughs> yeah. told you oh, so. man. So, so now I have a question. So how long yeah. has this table been writing data? Eight years. Eight years. So you just hit four million records. Two, uh, 2.1. Oh, wait. So what's the four? That's the unsigned? Unsigned. Yes, unsigned. So what are you going to do in eight years? <laughs> well, I'm on the legacy platform team. And by on the team, it's me. I'm the legacy <laughs> platform team. So I think the legacy platform will not be around in eight years. So in eight, eight years when this crashes, you're going to be like, man, I should have changed that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We have, we have Sorry. the receipts. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Business doesn't increase linearly. It's going to crash again in four years or less. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's a great point because it's not like we've been steadily writing records to this table. Um, this table is now a cornerstone of our syncing process with design files. And that had really picked up in the last couple of years. So it definitely was sort of a hockey stick growth for this particular table where it just, so the, in, in the week since this incident, basically it's been a bunch of QAI quality assurance item tickets. So when we have incidents at work, we have to write up a, an RCA, a root cause analysis, 
And then as part of the investigation, we have to generate QAI, quality assurance issues that help us make sure that whatever just happened doesn't happen again. So one of the things we did was actually something that Adam was just sharing with us just before the call, which is I had to figure out a way to monitor the int space or the key space that we're using in the table to say, hey, all of these columns have are various data types, and those various data types allow for a certain amount of values to be stored in them. And today you're at value X, and you can go up to value Y, and what percentage of that is is being utilized. So I had to figure out a way to do that with MySQL. There's something called the information schema, which is essentially a database that sits next to your database that has a bunch of meta information. So I was able to write up a cold fusion script that uh, queries the information schema and looks for the way I have it set up is it looks for numeric columns that are the first column in any of the indexes on that table. And if you're not familiar with how indexes work, essentially you can have one or more columns in an index and the first column or the leading columns are called the prefix. And essentially you can quickly look up anything in the prefix of an index. So I knew that given a numeric column that's the prefix of an index, I could immediately find instantaneously the max value within that table because of how the indexes are structured in memory and on disk. Max value. Yeah, so that, that's one thing I was going to ask you, because you were saying the amount of rows, but really it's the biggest number that can be stored in that right. column. Right, so and that's you, it. So if you had 2.13 billion, you and then you went to 2.14 you know, billion, it would run out of space, even though it's maybe like just a few lines. Yeah, 100%. And and that was one of the things that we had to take into account. Because, for example, we have one table that is sort of an intermediary garbage table before something gets fully deleted. So if you can imagine a user deletes a record and we take that record out of the original table, we put it into this garbage table for like 30 days. It's the recycle bin. Yeah, exactly. It's the recycling bin for a very... It's. I don't even know why it was designed this way, but that's how someone designed it. And then after 30 days, the garbage files get removed. So. Essentially, that table itself is actually quite small, but it has foreign key references to these other primary keys. So even though it maybe only has, let's say, 100,000 records in it, it might have keys in it that are in the like 2 billion range because mm-hmm. they just happen to be getting cycled. So yeah, we couldn't just use the number of rows in a table because that could give us a lot of false negatives of where we're doing. So I had to use this information schema to get reflective information about the database. And then I end up storing that in Datadog, which is our APM and uh, metrics. So we stored in Datadog as a gauge. So now I have a graph, a very pretty graph that has straight lines going across. It's going to take a long time for the lines (laughs) to actually look like they're moving. But I can see like, oh, this table is using 51% of its primary key, available primary key in space. And most tables are, are... vastly smaller. So like most of them are in the like five to 12% of, of their entire yeah. space. But the screenshot that I shared with you where I kind of did the same thing. So mine was much less sophisticated. I, I wasn't coming up with a general solution for like all of our stuff. I just, I knew that this was the table. If we were going right. to have this problem, this would be where mm. it would happen because this is where we churn <laughs> through so many records. And so I, the way that I accomplished that was since I really only cared about one column i just did select max right yeah for to give me the, the current max value of that column and yeah so it's i guess it's a unsigned uh integer it's four point i'll round up 4.3 billion 
is the max that it's currently at 26 million. So that's just a hair over half of 1% up. And we've been in business for <laughs> eight or 10 years. So, yeah, yeah, I think we're good for a while. So yeah, yeah. yeah. we'd be proactive, Adam. Yeah, yeah. So you switch to big and unsigned, and then you'd be like two to the power of sixty-four. <laughs> I don't even know what. I mean, that's like a. It's like the number of atoms in the universe, or something. Yeah, something know. like that. Ridiculous. <laughs> so anyway, that's my story. It was terrifying. It's probably the scariest. I don't know, twenty-four hours that I've had in the last seven years. <laughs> I, I've had when we talked when we had our episode about the burnout way back. I think this is like episode. 13 or something like mm-hmm. that. I had talked about having panic attacks. Ironically, those panic attacks were also related to database failures. We had a corrupted database, like a number of corrupted rows that was just randomly causing our database to crash. What, what episode? Episode number three was burnout. Three. Oh, man. So, yeah. So, so it close. seems that all of my darkest moments are related to databases. So <laughs> I guess hug, hug your data engineers. They're yeah, right. pretty amazing people. It's, it's databases like one of those things we just work, 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 work. But when they don't, it's like really bad. It is these, it tends to be the single point of failure in your application. Yeah. Way too right? often. Yep. And, and, and it's not like you can just karate chop fixes. There's so, you hit limits when you have so much data and it takes a long time to move that so much data or refactor that so much data into something that becomes more scalable. And mm-hmm. usually the one failure cascades very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yo. Yeah. Oh man! Just well, you such you a definitely have me sweating over here and very like panicked for you, but I'm glad it turned out better than I was expecting this story to go. So, yeah. uh, I mean, what I just learned from this is that you should, you should have been using Postgres. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. I should have been using MongoDB. It's web scale. Ooh. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> MongoDB is web scale. Oh my goodness! Oh, I'll tell you though. I mean. One of the things when you're, when stuff is on fire, one of the things you become very cognizant of is that when you're on a call and it's just you and one other person, it's super, super terrifying. And then as more people join the call, it just generally gets less terrifying. And, uh, yeah. And I just kept thanking people. I was like, thank you all for being here. Like, I, I know half of you are just sitting here listening and, trying to understand what's going on in the incident, but just your presence here is making everybody less stressed. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Because it, yeah. it's one thing to be bouncing ideas off one person, but it's a whole nother when you have a room full listening who may interject with one thing. That one thing is something yeah. you and the other person might not know. And it's just good to have the knowledge around. So yeah, that's always valued. I was going to say, Ben, in my experience, I've gone through those sort of similar things, but unfortunately, because some of the apps that we do are very custom to a customer mm-hmm. and it's running their business and it's going through that failure to have that call with a customer on the call who's not necessarily, <laughs> they don't really care about any technical stuff. They just, you know, yeah, it's going to take, you know, we're moving this table and it's going to take you 27 hours to move this over. They'd be like, what? It'll only take me Man. 23 hours to find somebody to replace you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Go ahead, buddy. Oh, so, well, yeah. I am sorry you had that week, man, but yeah. I'm glad you got through it. You can laugh and, about it now, it seems. And I made it to Thanksgiving, and I ate almost an entire pumpkin pie by myself. <laughs> you <laughs> you deserved it. it. You earned it. Absolutely. So, oh, man, pumpkin pies are good. They're the best. Do you put Cool Whip on yours? I, 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 I will do a... 
what regular whipped cream. I don't okay. know if you're generically just referring to. No, know cool, cool, cool whip is, is the one you go get <laughs> from the freezer section and you sit it out on the counter and you use it right after. Yeah, it comes off. in a tub, right? Yeah, cool yeah. Whip? It yeah. has to be cool whip. Whipped cream's Say not cool. the same thing. Cool whip. Cool. Say whip. <laughs> whip. Say cool whip. Cool whip. <laughs> cool whip. <laughs> whip. I don't know. <laughs> I probably have it all wrong. You guys are weird. Why did I start a podcast with you? (laughs) Because we love Cool Whip. (laughs) Well, I I know we kind of said at the beginning that maybe we would do multiple stories here. I'm really glad that, you know, I'm glad everything turned out well. And that was a great story. I'm glad you told it, Ben. It was a little on the long side, which is fine. But A, I don't think we have really time to get into more. And B, I don't think anybody can follow that. No, No, we can't stop that. Can't stop that. Gosh, no. I don't think my heart can handle any more stress Mm-mm. either tonight. No. Yeah. No. 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 So this episode of Working Code is brought to you by wearing pants to bed, just in case you get paged at 3 a.m. Ben <laughs> <laughs> fact. And listeners like you, if you like what we're doing here, you may want to consider supporting us on Patreon. And you can do that by going to patreon.com slash working code pod. You can support us for as little as $4 a month and all of our patrons get after show access and they get early access to new episodes as they are edited and ready to go. And of course, we have to thank our top patrons, Monty and Peter. You guys mm-hmm. rock. We really appreciate your continued support. And for everybody else that just is here to listen, that's cool. Thanks for listening. And yeah, so please send us your questions and show topics on Twitter or Instagram at Working Code Pod or leave us a message at 512-253-2633. That's 512-253-CODE or join our Discord at workingcode.dev slash Discord. And not only can you send us your questions and topics, but you can converse with the community, talk to us, the hosts, talk to each other, talk to our guests. So yeah, that'll do it. We'll catch you next week. And until then, remember guys, your heart matters, even if you have more than 2,147,483,647 records in your database. <laughs> You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't. I did not realize that you had intended to have other stories. That's why I was just sort of going. It was on. no. It's fine. It was it, no, you were going, no, man. No, you were going. I, I didn't really have one to tell, anyways. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I was sitting here the whole time, like, uh, I'm, I'm glad it went that long. So that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs>